welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We're also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We're not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. This is Drunk Dietitians, Sammy and Jenna, and we're just like on cloud nine after this episode. I think Sam and I had expectations for what we wanted to talk about with Dr. Stacey T, who... How do you say your last name again without Tanaway? Tanaway, thank you. Um, And it completely went in 15 different directions. And I think it's even better than we could have expected it to be. We dug deep into women's health, but also Stacey interviewed us in a like a little surprise way towards the end of the episode that was really just a beautiful way to connect um, with health professionals in. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I think, you know, she's, so she's a gynecologist. She's in private practice. Um, She's amazing. But yeah, I think the big takeaways I had, we talked about the importance of like factual information on social media coming from a doctor versus all the bullshit that you see. Um, And then we did go down, like, I don't want to say a PCOS rabbit hole, but kind of where we we, like you said, she interviewed us a little bit. We asked her questions. Um, she has over 6.5 million likes on TikTok. So if you want to know if your period blood is normal or what, how you should clean your vulva, you need to go follow her immediately. Um, she's just amazing. And honestly, we don't even need to talk anymore right now because people just need to go and listen to this episode. 100% because even the word like vulva makes me laugh and like, that's a problem, right? (laughs) Like that's what we talked about. Like that shouldn't be like a taboo word. So we're going to shut up. Let's get right to it. Enjoy. (laughs) Yes. And share, 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 share this episode with a girlfriend, a sister, a mother, a daughter, whoever, um, or men too, because honestly they need a lot of education as well on the woman's body, but just share this episode because you're going to love it. Um, and like you said, without further ado, let's just jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Cheers, ladies. And a virtual virtual cheers. Um, Today we have a guest that Jenna and I are so excited for. I can't Um, stop smiling. I know. I'm like, I'm like so excited for this episode. Um, But we have Dr. Stacey Tanaway. She is a board certified gynecologist. Um, She was at the top program in the country for gynecology at Mayo Clinic out in Minnesota. She worked, and Stacey, not if I'm correct, you worked with Mayo for a while, right? Mm -hmm. But now she is in private practice. And one of our favorite things about her is her Instagram bio is cleaning penises at home and vulvas at work. Um, She is a TikTok sensation. If you don't already follow her on Instagram or TikTok, her handle is drdoctor dot Stacy. Stacy is spelled S-T-A-C-I dot T. So doctor dot Stacy dot T. Um, she is amazing. And we were just going to jump right into this episode. We're so excited. Oh, 
Thank you. I feel like you need to be like, when you listen to this episode, like pull up one of her social media accounts while you're listening, just so that you can just get the full picture because it will just be so much better. Um, But Stacey, I'm going to do a quick little this or that for just to get us warmed up here into the conversation. I'm not going to ask you like penis or vagina. I'm going to ask you, ready? Wine or beer? (laughs) Ah, okay. I can play this game. All right, ready? Wine or beer? Wine. TikTok or Instagram? Oh, I know. That's a tough one. I know. If I'm going to go with the <laughs> current times, like right now, it's more TikTok. I mean, your following on both is insane, but like combined, you have so many people, but I, I would have to agree with that. Okay, yes. moving on. Coffee or tea? Uh, oh, that's a tough one too. Um, again, recently coffee. <laughs> I can also relate. Mm-hmm. Um, hard boiled egg or runny egg? Neither. Neither. You're not an egg fan. I, I, um, I have this weird thing with eggs. Like I can only eat eggs, like scrambled up in an omelet with tons of other stuff. I cannot eat them solo. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, I, I, fine. I <laughs> How about Sanders snow? We haven't asked that one in a while. Oh, that's a really hard one too. Um, honestly, probably snow. Because you have so much sand by you, you too. <laughs> it snowed here like three days ago in April. So, um, uh, that, all right. So the last question I have before the big one is um, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Yes. Team. Yeah. Team TikTok. <laughs> and then the last one, if you could have anything in limitless quantities that it can't be money what would it be anything in the world anything in the world limitless love. quantities oh, love totally. <laughs> That's awesome. well, that is amazing can you kick us off and just tell us like how this tiktok fame came to be um it has been crazy like <laughs> tiktok is an absolute insane platform and no other social media platform is like it like it's it's literally insane it's crazy um and i started it because i had a bunch of my instagram doctor friends were kind of getting on tiktok and starting to teach some medical stuff and show the doctor side of you know the fun doctor side of things and i was like no 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 i'm never gonna do that it's so embarrassing never gonna do that and then um, me and my one of my other friends, Dr. Jen Lincoln, who's also on Instagram and big on TikTok and everything, at the same time, we're kind of like, oh, we're thinking about it. Okay, let's just jump in, dive in, and try it. And so we did. And then probably 10 videos into my TikTok journey, I had a video that just went super, super viral. And then just everything blew up from there. And it literally just went crazy. I mean, your first video, as far as I can scroll on my screen, I think it's your first one, has legitimately half a million views, your first video ever. Yes. (laughs) Well, some of that is because, I mean, the first video had quite a few views, but then when you have one that goes super, super viral, like all the ones before it also start getting a huge amount of views too. So it did, my first couple of videos did do really well. And I had one video, maybe, I don't know if it was my third or fourth one that had like over a million views or something like that but then I did one on herpes that legit has like 13 million views and that one is the one that blew up everything you know and it's funny too I think that when I look now sometimes there's people now posting because I know that TikTok has a really crazy algorithm when it launches Mm -hmm. it out and they look for keywords now so I've been told that when you post words like sex or um, STD or whatever like people are starting to spell them differently and weirdly to try and trick the algorithm to get this bad information out there have you seen correct yes yeah, and you know what? It's funny. I've had I found space. myself doing that to like because I've had videos censored and kind of taken down and gone under review from TikTok because I've said like vagina or right. any sort of anatomically correct word or even <laughs> I think I said I said oral sex in one of my audios that I did and they took they removed my audio because they do they have some automatic triggers that will take things down. But what those automatic triggers can't do is they can't differentiate like 
actual educational content versus offensive, not appropriate content. So that's where it gets kind of tricky and hard. And that's why some people try to trick the system and I've change words, symbols. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that. It is so crazy, like absolutely wild. But I mean, I literally, Sammy knows this. I have so many questions, but I don't want to steal it. So Sammy, you can kick it off. Well, I think I just want to start like for our <laughs> listeners who, you know, maybe have n- never seen your TikTok or Instagram, just to give like a short background of like your career and kind of your passion with gynecology, what you you know, going into the field, what you thought your, your path was going to look like. And now what it looks like is probably completely different. So if you could just kind of give, you know, an abbreviated version of how you got to this point in your career. And then I think we, we should go down the TikTok. Hole. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I did my residency at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I was, like you said, I was on faculty there for a while after I graduated residency and after a couple years there, um, my husband was finishing his fellowship. He got recruited down to Mayo in Jacksonville. And so we, that's how we moved to Jacksonville, Florida. And that was now almost seven years ago. Um, well, Mayo in Jacksonville, Florida doesn't do obstetrics and they don't do general gynecology. They're a little more specialized. So I had to go outside of my Mayo family and my Mayo home and go into private practice. And that's how I landed in private practice. And I've been with North Florida OBGYN ever since. Um, I did change practices within North Florida OBGYN once about um, a year and a half ago. And because I came to a big crossroads in my life where I had a a really bad illness. And then when I came back to work after that illness, just kind of uh, realized that I needed to, to do more with my life and my career than what I was being pushed into doing. Um, and so I quit my job and I quit obstetrics. I quit delivering babies and taking care of pregnant women. And I switched to gynecology only. So non-pregnant women's health. Um, and I switched into a, a different private practice and I've been there for the past year and a half and have loved it and have really been able to concentrate on GYN and it's given me extra time with my family. And that's all when I started my social media because I started it with the idea of, you know, I'm just kind of starting my own sort of patient base and practice. I need to get my name out there and for to attract, um, you know, followers and patients and that sort of thing. So the, my initial goal was business, right? Business, attract people. And it has morphed into something totally different. Like as everything has evolved and as the culture of Instagram has kind of, you know, really settled in on, on how I um, approach my social media, everything has completely changed. So it's no longer about attracting patients. It's really so much more than that. And that's kind of how I evolved to here. That's awesome. It's so cool to see. And I think it's really cool to, to know to right now that who you work with, you're not working with people that are pregnant or delivering babies. So I feel like for non-pregnant women, gynecology, like education, it well, and, and for women working with pregnant women would be important, but I feel like education around gynecology is huge. We had Dr. Marta Perez on here, um, and I know I know you and Marta are good friends, and she, you guys are so similar in the way that you just talk about women empowerment and empowerment and education. So now I'm going to pass it over to Jenna because I know she's just like itching to ask (laughs) questions. So Jenna, you take it away. I just feel like on our episode with Dr. Marta Perez, we, Sam and I were just like the questions that she was asking us really, she kind of interviewed us a little bit. Like, have you ever done this? And did you know this? And we were both like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, I think it just brings you back to the realization that our generation, you know, millennials really were older millennials, Sam and I, um, for sure. And I don't really feel I like am a much health. older millennial, so you're with I'm sure we're all the same age. I'm like right right at the top of right the at the So yes. am I. And I think that but from our perspective, like we were never really educated on women's health. Like it was never obviously we're women and we have the parts, but we were never really told to explore and ask these questions in a comfortable space. And I feel like what you're doing for 
Gen Z and below us is really helping making that more normalized. And so with that said, you know, the way that you're educating people is so powerful, but I know that the education that people are getting is so wrong from other spaces. So when you put content out there, is it based off of bullshit that you've seen or that you've heard or just things that you are realizing are just so misinterpreted? Both. I mean, really, (laughs) truly both. And you can see that in my TikTok and my Instagram that I'll do, I mix in, you know, just general health education on TikTok with topics that I know need clarification or people want or people have requested. But I'll mix that in with completely like debunking the crazy stuff that's out there. So I've got a bit a good mixture of both there. And um, I mean, people, my followers will tag me on all sorts of different videos. Dr. Stacy T, can you comment on this? Is this true? What about this? So I I get tagged everywhere to review all these different like random videos that have gone up by random people Um, because people really want to know like they're actually starting to think critically about the information that they're finding on the internet and social media and so that's where us as physicians who have come into this space are become really valuable because people are finally looking at this content and being like hmm like really really (laughs) who can we ask to see if that's really true and because a bunch of us are now in that space they know who to ask so they are, they're tagging me and a couple of the other GYNs and other doctors that are in that space. And it's really, um, I hopefully has helped everyone kind of know what to believe and what not to believe. I think it's so incredible to hear that's how you voice it, which is just so powerful. But in that same vein, to me, it shows how much we crave and need this information that you actually have to have a TikTok about how to wash your vulva. (laughs) (laughs) That people really need the answer on because there's really no education on that, right? Like, isn't that mind blowing to some extent? Yeah. And then you look at the comments, right? The comments are like, what? Really? (laughs) That's how you're, what? Like people are blown away of like, just basic information. No one's ever told me that. No woman, I never learned this in health class. You've taught me more than my, you know, teachers, you know, family, everything. And it's, it's at the same time, both satisfying and empowering, but also really, really sad. Like it's, it's really disappointing and sad of our just system as a whole that we're failing. We are totally failing these young women. Um, And so I hopefully me and some of the other docs on there are just kind of filling that void and that's what yeah that's been the best part of it that video has 3.5 million views <laughs> just so everybody's aware like that alone just says it all um i will count and, and over 4000 comments like, i don't want to open it because you'll get the um the audio like on my computer that's what i just did on my phone I'm, like trying to watch them but i can't turn it off but that's where I did, and I and I don't want to open up my phone because probably the audio is going to go off on me with TikTok. But I believe one of the ones I saw you make as well, Cece, was something about, you know, to people who were saying like, oh, you're a gynecologist, you shouldn't be on TikTok or like kind of saying like, you shouldn't be doing that or like, so mm-hmm. what do you have to say to those people? I would have to say to them, I mean, really just all you have to do is read the comment section of any of my videos. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do to realize how much these young women want and need this information. It's not just need, right? It's not that they, they just, we know that they need this information. They want it. They're craving it. They're asking for it. Um, And so honestly, that's all you have to do is just read the comments and understand that young women want this information so badly and they're thinking about it and they're questioning it but they don't know where to go to get the answers so that's that's where i come into play and and then the other part of it is i you know i'll always throw out a little bit of academics in there too like there is actual research to support that comprehensive sex education works that that is what works to educate our young people to help them understand their bodies, to understand safe sex practices, and to improve basically everything. 
Um, and so I'll throw a little bit of like the actual factual knowledge, but, but really these young women are craving this. Do you think that it's partially because when a young teen goes to the gynecologist for the first time, which is on average, how old? I actually don't even know. I don't remember when I first went. Yeah. The, well, the, the, our, our American College of OBGYN, our official recommendation is age 13 to 15. And okay. really, that's simply the goal of that is just to establish a relationship, to talk about periods, to talk about bodies, to answer questions and concerns, and really just start this education process. It's not necessarily to do any sort of invasive exam and a 13, you know, in a 13-year-old, that's not the point. Most of my younger teenagers, I am not examining at all. It's just a discussion. And so that's the, that's the official recommendation. Now, the average of what actually happens is obviously quite a bit higher than that, but, but yeah. And do you think that because of that, like the first time a woman goes to the gynecologist, it's kind of like a shameful experience or scary experience? I don't know. I honestly don't remember. I think for me personally, I went because I'd never got a period and I was 16 and the doctor, my mom was like, we got to go figure out what's wrong. <laughs> like, let's go. Um, and that conversation was solely about, you know, what was going on with my body, but there is this disconnect somewhere because again i mean the things that you're posting are to some extent simple but they're being so widely i mean there's not one post that you have on here that doesn't have over 300,000 views like you are the reach of what you're getting is this enormous population of people that are craving this information on what the different color period blood means like yeah this is really valuable information that we're just not learning somewhere. Yeah, I think, you know, I think young women and even not even young women, you know, like older women, they're just in general terrified to go to the gynecologist. They're terrified of what's going to happen. They're scared of what is appropriate versus not appropriate to talk about or to ask because, you know, we're taught that a lot of this stuff is shameful and embarrassing. When, when, you know, my goal is to teach that that's not shameful, and embarrassing, that it shouldn't be, that it should be health knowledge and very factual and we should be able to openly talk about these these things to make everyone more comfortable and safer in the end um but but that's just it women are terrified they're terrified to come they're terrified to reveal their deepest darkest secrets to reveal what their vulva looks like because they've been shamed over like how it smells looks feels and everything they, they think everything about it is wrong and dirty and so they don't even want to show that to a doctor and they're, they're just absolutely terrified so true i just yeah. pulled my notebook out and i wrote like <laughs> <laughs> i'm making notes but but i i just wrote like gynecologist dietitian like equal sign because in my head i'm thinking all the words that you're using like when we work with clients we encourage them to become curious and and look at their bodies and their relationship mm -hmm. with food through a lens of curiosity instead of judgment or shame or guilt or these negative emotions tied to morality. And it sounds like a lot of the same verbiage that you use because people have been shamed for many different things related, you know, right. to their bodies. So it's, I just feel like it's such a great compliment to what we do. And, um, and it just, it makes me so happy. So I want to break some of these down <laughs> further because of course, anybody listening, if they have TikTok, they can open up the app, they can search you, they, or they probably already have seen your videos. Um, but for those who are listening that do not have TikTok, hopefully they will after this episode. Everyone um, will. <laughs> yeah, right. But if they don't, because I do know a lot of people that still don't have it and I'm still like, I'm like on it, but I'm not like really active. <laughs> Jenna always like kind of tries to get me more <laughs> and I need to, but I want to talk about like with some, we can kind of categorize them for you of like some of the ones that have gone most viral or like related to specific things. So for example, Jen, I know you pulled up the one about like different colored period blood and what it means. Mm -hmm. Like if you could educate us on some of your TikToks that have gone really viral that maybe surprised you and what education was in those and maybe why you thought like it went that viral. Yeah, I think, I mean, the period blood one in particular was a response to a couple of videos that I had seen and had been tagged in from other people talking about this color means this, and this color could mean this, this, or this. 
And I was like, where is this coming from? And, you know, and Marta and I have both seen this on Instagram and social media and other things, but, um, but this was, these were a couple of accounts that were kind of masking themselves as actual medical factual information when in fact they're putting out this kind of Google answers sort of information. So I literally, I went to Google and I Googled period blood color and this whole like, you know, thousands of different charts came up with all the different period blood colors and all the different meanings of them. I'm like, what the heck you guys? Like, why is this, th this is not at all accurate. Like none of this is accurate. Basically zero of it is accurate. But women really are concerned that that is a problem, that that is um, some, it's an indication that something's wrong with them. And so, I, again, I think that that's just the craving of that information, that I'm worried that something's wrong with me. And so I got to figure out and I have to find out all the signs that are going to tell me what's right and what's wrong. But there, there's people that are telling them the wrong things. And so that was the purpose of that one. Um, I mean, some of the other viral ones are really, none of them are super controversial. They're all just basic information that's often misunderstood. Um, I had a video on normal periods, just what a normal period should be. What age should you start by? Um, how many days, the length, the cycle length, what's normal, what's not normal, and what, when you should go see your doctor. And that one has like four and a half million views or something like that. And literally it's normal periods. What is normal? That's all people want to know. Like they want to know the simple stuff, how to wash your vulva. What is normal about me? Um, and yeah, so it's, it's just astonishing how um, what seems to be simple to me is really what people want to know. They want to know the basics about their bodies and how they work. And is my body normal? Is my body not normal? Um, so yeah, I think that's most of my viral videos are from fairly just general basic information I love besides it. the herpes one I guess <laughs> <laughs> I think that in our society we've been called like what Sam said before about nutrition to gynecology and the relation you know dealing primarily with females in my own practice and I know Sam as well you have some men in yours too but I think what we start to uncover is that for so long we're starting, we look for reasons of why we're not normal, right? Like, oh, I, that I'm not normal. Yeah. Like that can't happen to me or that right. won't be for me because I'm not like that or whatever. And we start to build these stories in our head that we're seeing yes. all different areas of why this, like we can't be successful or normal or whatever in our different phases of our journey. Right. And I think the way that you put this of just what you just said is like the most viral video is what is normal it's because people want so badly to just like know that they're healthy and safe and okay right. and that's right. so crazy but the fact that you are using that to spread this beautiful healthy message about smells and colors and things it's, just, <laughs> it's so awesome and i mean there is something on here i'm looking at one right now that says this is an OBGYN's nightmare this is not plan b do not eat it like what is oh. that <laughs> <laughs> so there was a video that went viral and this is good this has kind of come full circle because this these types of videos this topic has come up came up last year, I think on TikTok, like a year ago, all these videos about the same topic went viral. And then just a few months ago, it, it did the same thing. Um, there's this rumor on the internet that in a pregnancy test, if you pop, if you, you know, get underneath and pop open the pregnancy test itself and get that like in the actual testing strip area, that there, that the little white tablet in there, that's a desiccant tablet, right? It's a, it's, to avoid moisture from getting into the test, that that desiccant tablet is plan B, right? Stop it. Yes, I am not even kidding you. So the, the message going around viral over the internet and TikTok is that if you're basically, if your pregnancy test, you know, if you're worried and your pregnancy test comes out positive, pop open the test and that tablet and there you take it. Like, I'm like oh my God, yeah. Oh my God. Like, where do people yeah. get this shit? I, Same place they got celery juice from. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I, well, that's, it's funny you say that because, yeah, I mean, 
like the things that are, are like the things that you have to debunk, like it's the same thing that Jenna and I see, but with like health coaches that are telling people to chug celery juice and not eat for 24 hours and all this stupid yes. shit that we have to be like, no, actually you need consistently fed. You need to eat all foods. You need to hydrate, like, like simple stuff. Like so simple. So can I, can I ask you guys a question now? Yes. Oh, so one of, <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that I have been tagged in and asked about a lot to comment on, on TikTok. And I have a video that I've, I just primed and edited. It's going to go up is PCOS. Mm. And I'm sure you guys have seen like everywhere there's PC at diet weight loss and the PC at diet, PCOS diet for you and what's going to work best and everything like that. And they, they drive me insane. And just how, how do you guys approach that sort of thing when there's so many health coaches and, um, you know, naturopaths and, and other people that are targeting these women, telling them that this is the specific PCOS diet that you need to be on for your weight loss. And it, I mean, it just, it baffles me and it's so infuriating. I can't imagine what it, what it's like for you guys too, but yeah. What's your take? I'm gonna go first and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a lighter approach than I did in our episode that aired today when I dropped an F bomb. Um, I was I was really angry on that day, I think, and I just had um some supervision. And just to be clear, I can drop F bombs on Oh, you can drop F bombs on recording, right? No, no, no. Oh yeah, you can do whatever Perfect. you want. Glad we clear that up. But I, I'm just gonna say like my answer is shifted a little bit um due to just some of the supervision I'm undergoing, but when I try to do, because I, it angers me, right? I might, I get gritted yeah. teeth. Like I just want to scream. I want to throw my phone because what these professional medical, some medical professionals or health coaches or people that coin themselves as a medical professional, um, right. they're feeding off of insecurities and trying to capitalize yeah. on that. That's yes. what, that's what they're doing. And so there's like different layers to this answer, but with the actual medical professional professional, are they reachable, teachable, and ready to hear the right information? Because we have to remember that these humans, uh, they're human too. These professionals are humans and they only know what they know. Right. So either right. they're putting this information out there because they genuinely think that they're helping these people or mm. they're putting the information yeah. out there and they know it's not true. And they're also, like we said, capitalizing on insecurities. But when we have clients that come to us, I know specifically I'm talking about me and Jenna, feel free to jump in too, is, you know, with intuitive eating, we're here to say like, you're the expert of your body. How can we help you? Mm -hmm. Nobody out there should be pushing a gluten-free, dairy-free diet on someone with PCOS when you know absolutely fucking nothing about them. Yeah, she did so, it. <laughs> so that's where, like, it, it, you know, it comes down to, it angers me, but when someone comes to us, this is not about pushing judgment or bias on someone. It's getting to know them. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I think, I know Stacey, you, like you treat your patients with such respect and no bias, no judgment. You just want to say, how can I help you? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that would be my answer. But Jenna, anything you want to add? Well, I was just going to say from the perspective of the, the science behind the PCOS air quotes diet, I mean, as a human being, I was diagnosed with PCOS three years ago and then the doctors took it away because <laughs> they were like, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> um, because I started getting my period because aha, I started eating food consistently after, you know, restricting myself in specific ways, fitness related for a very long time. Um, and from that perspective, I did a lot of my own research on it and the actual nutritional diet recommendations for a PCOS diagnosis is blood sugar control, blood sugar mm -hmm. stability, which you achieve in a with a person without diabetes, healthy blood sugar control by eating consistent food, by pairing right. healthy fats and proteins with your good sources of carbohydrates to help slow down that digestion. And if you obviously can't see me listeners, but I'm waving my hands in like a little <laughs> bumpy, like little baby waves instead of like the big ups and downs, those peaks and valleys, that's what keeps your blood sugar consistent. And what the research shows is that with consistent blood sugar control, it's better for a person with a diagnosis with PCOS. But 
you know, to play devil's advocate here, that's better for any person is to eat that right. consistent fuel and to keep that blood sugar stable because then your body can really do its job. Um, so from that perspective, the other recommendations are moving your body, getting enough mm-hmm. sleep and staying hydrated. Yep. So the PCOS right. diet is figure out what works for you and do it consistently. Right. And so I when would... I see that, it like drives me crazy because people are like only eat sweet potatoes. Like get the fuck out of here. Like, come on, where is that research paper? <laughs> I was watching it. I was going through, cause I was prepping my PCOS TikTok video. And so I was going through and watching some of the other PCOS tagged TikTok videos. And oh, I God. came across <laughs> one that was like, that was like, um, uh, some some uh, molecule called DIM. It stands for whatever. I don't know if you guys know it. I don't even know it, but they're like, this, this has been shown to be helpful with PCOS for this, this, and this reason. You can find it in these foods. And it's basically listing like all the leafy green, like good stuff that we're like, yeah, that stuff's good for you. Right. And so, but they're like billing it as this molecule and this thing is the thing that is the best thing for the PCOS diet. I'm like, you guys, you just got to eat like we just talked about eating more whole plants and whole vegetables and fruits. Like that's what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's not, I don't know. And no, nobody wants kind to of, hear that. No one wants to hear that. Just I, eat more fruits and vegetables. Just eat more whole foods. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, um, but they had to mask it in a way that made it you know, super scientific and special. Yeah. And this, this is the, this is the molecule in your kale that is, you yeah, know, right. like, okay, that's great. But at the end of the day, we yeah. can't. And then everyone in the comments is asking, well, can I take a supplement of that? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> See, that's where we get to is like, yeah. no, 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 there's no, let's not just do a supplement. Just, you just need to eat more whole foods. Like, yeah. And I think PCOS is really difficult because you gen you generally see people saying you need to lose weight, and mm-hmm. then people yeah. Google how do I lose weight when there is no research that shows just changing the size of your body is going to is a direct correlation to like better managed PCOS. So I think that's where it's more so like looking at this as people with PCOS, a lot of, and I'm, I'm going to be, this is generalizing, but people that I've worked with have such horrible relationships with food and their body because they've been fat shamed or been told that they need to look a certain way or do a certain thing. So honestly with us, like that's where intuitive eating comes in and is so helpful because of course, nutrient dense foods are important. That's for anyone like right. you said, or that hydration or the movement, all of those things like Jenna said, for every human being, those are important, not just someone with PCOS. But if we've been told that time after time after time, I get that, again, how we talked about earlier, that shame and that guilt starts to creep in. And then that it's just a spiral from there. Yeah, it is a spiral. Can I ask you one more technical question? Yeah. I love it. So (laughs) yeah, so this, this is the one thing because I, I totally love your guys' messages about intuitive eating and health over weight and, you know, let's get rid of the numbers. Let's focus on what our body really needs and, and that sort of thing. And I try to relay that to my patients too. Like when they say, oh, I just need to lose 30 pounds and this and that. And I'm trying to reframe their focus of it's not that the number is not what I care about most in you. And so I do, I try to follow that, but the one thing with PCOS that is in all of our medical societies and data that everyone throws out is the data that the only consistent data over kind of like diet and everything like that around PCOS is that a five to 10% weight loss in obese women has been shown to improve ovulation. And no specific diet has ever consistently shown to be improvement to be an improvement. The only consistent factor in all the research is that is is um, a, a lowering your calorie intake. So, or you know, re- readjusting your calorie, either deficit or whatever your caloric intake. And so, and and I never really want to focus on that. But when my medical societies say like this is the stable research 
that, you know, that, and so a lot of, you know, reproductive medicine doctors and everything, they'll say like five to 10% weight loss for obese women has been shown to improve ovulation. Like, how do I get around the, the idea that, yes, this is the facts that our societies want to talk about, but I still am trying to get away from that, the numbers game. Like, how do I kind of reconcile those things? I think question. Jenny, yeah. you go first and then I'll yeah, jump in. And I'm sure we both can say, we're going to say the same things in different ways. But first, I just think it's really awesome that you're asking that question because like, I'm going to use Sam's words, like being curious <laughs> about the way to approach that topic. Talking about weight doesn't need to be taboo, right? But it, I, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and I think I can speak for Sam as well, it just needs to be talked about in the right way. And instead of saying like, you need to have five to 10% weight loss in order to get X, Y, Z, focusing on those behaviors. Like, Hey, can we talk about your sleep patterns and your activity and what do you enjoy and the foods that you, a lot of times what you'll probably find is that the clients that might be in that space, maybe are restricting things and don't have a great relationship with food to begin with. And that's causing this like internal struggle around that topic to begin with. So more so focusing on the behaviors that can be implemented and can be improved if that person's body needs to lose weight in order to improve something else in their health, when their behaviors match that, it will. Sam, did I say that the right way? I think that was awesome. I think I had a, okay. where my head goes to a couple different things. So one with that research, and I'd have to look at it a little more closely, is it association or is it causation? Um, and, and that would be one thing I would want to look at Two, most studies that do, um, have anything related to weight have no controls over disordered eating behaviors. So it'll show a restriction. Um, and then it'll show, like you said, like saying, okay, five to 10% weight loss, this result, it doesn't look at any psychological or behavioral implications. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really have to be careful because, and that's, what's really tricky about data in our culture is that we know that like the eating disorder rates have doubled in the past, um, the past like years, I think it's the past six years have now doubled and disordered eating behaviors are so prevalent. So we just have to be careful with that. Knowing that we also know through research that with weight, when we tell someone to lose weight, it actually has the opposite effect on them usually and causes more Mm -hmm. shame and causes less physical activity, higher stress hormones. Um, so I'll have to, what I'll, I'll definitely do with you, Stacey, is I'm going to share some of my research with you after this call. I can send you some stuff. Yeah. I would love to do like a research swap with you. Um, but I think yeah. what Jenna was saying is to, is like weight itself, that number, that data point that a woman or a man sees when they step on the scale is not a behavior. So in those studies, what were the behaviors that were changing for those people because we don't, it's not like they chop off an arm and lose 5% of their body weight. Right. Now they have right. um, better outcomes. So first of all, looking at what behaviors changed. And then secondly, just making sure that we're keeping mental health and the psychological and behavioral implications um, in right. mind as well. But yeah. And I don't know, I don't know the specific, like the primary research yeah. that comes from that, but these are, these are actual statements that come in like our consensus statements yeah. from our society or the, the review, um, the big uh, medical reviews that they really, they look at all the data and they put a consensus out there of, you know, these are the important things and these are the important takeaways. Um, and so, and that, that's always been one of the teaching points of PCOS as a takeaway from mm-hmm. just the general stuff. So I don't know the prime, what the actual primary research is looking at. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. yeah but like Going Jenna the, said, the expert consensus. Yeah. <laughs> like Jenna said, like, and I should have led with that. Thank you for asking that question, like from the bottom of my heart. And I, think, <laughs> and I really mean that because I think that's where, you know, I try 
like, like yourself and Marta were two of the doctors I've connected with most in Jacksonville and having these conversations because Jenna and I sit with our clients and really work through the shame and the guilt and the body and the relationship with food. And I'm not saying that you contribute to that at all, but I think that's where having these conversations with doctors and saying, how do we talk about this? How do we get on the same team about this is so important. Um, so thank you for asking that. Yes. I really, and after, you know, even after following you guys and just watching, like that's kind of always what I was sort of believing, but never really knew how to put it into words or put it into practice. And so um, I really honed down how I counsel patients or just my responses when they, when they say, oh, I know I need to lose, you know, whatever amount of pounds. Oh, I know I'm this fat. Like I just, I've really been a lot more conscious of how I respond and the words that I use to them when they say those sorts of things. So it's been really helpful to, to follow you guys with that. You're it makes best. me so happy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting though, and I know we're on a time crunch at this point, but I don't know if you... Um... Sorry, a brush off topic. No, I love it. <laughs> no, and it's so good amazing. because you know, when I was diagnosed with PCOS, I when I went back to the doctor after having three months of periods in a row on my own for the first time in my adult life, like ever in my life after going off the pill, the, I had gained like six pounds and the nurse's first question to me was, you know, well, do you want to talk about your weight gain? And I'm sitting here like, hello, did you not just hear that for the first time in my life? I got my period, like I'm in my thirties. Right. And so that was like the first question. So having you ask that question about how do we approach this topic in a healthy way means more to Sam and I than you could ever imagine. The other other thing with PCOS that kind of drives me crazy is that there's essentially two different phenotypes of PCOS, right? About 80% of them will kind of be a the, what we think of with PCOS, you know, maybe slightly technically overweight or obese, and then like the acne or the hair or that sort of hair. stuff. But there's 20, there's 20% of women who aren't, who are either normal weight or thin or too thin, who have different characteristics that get these diagnoses. And so there's two different camps that have to be approached two different ways. But when you look online at like PCOS diet and weight loss and all of that stuff, it's really only geared towards the the majority of the PCOS, but it, it leaves out the, the 20% that have this different kind of phenotype that reacts differently to everything. And people don't realize that that's a difference. So then you have people who are just totally normal weight with a diagnosis of PCOS that are seeing, oh, I have to lose five to 10% of my body weight and I have to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, but that, that that's not right for you PCOS for this woman with PCOS maybe for that woman but like yeah so I think that's a it's a big point of confusion that it's very much generalized online that yeah becomes a problem and I went on not TikTok on Instagram the day that I had my chin hair lasered and was like listen everybody <laughs> you can have a chin hair and not have PCOS <laughs> or but or if you do it's also okay like there's later yeah. taken away <laughs> like it's just normalizing these types of conversations I think that make it so much more digestible for people like we should be laughing about this like we all have it like we all have the chin hair or the whatever yeah. thing that's like your shame feel shameful about and we all have our own relationship with food insecurities we can just call them as well right and I think the more that we can talk about this and I think that's why Sam and I started this podcast is to just have these conversations with people we respect and love and be able to just be curious about each other so thank you for bringing that back to us today yeah Yeah, thank you I was I was wondering at that anyway so thank you So for, we always like to end our episodes with, we call it our nutrition tipsy, but for you, it's going to be a gynecologist, a gynecologist tipsy, we'll call it. (laughs) So give us like, I, we've talked about a lot of different things today, but just, um, like a generalized message that for listeners, like what's one thing, if you want them to walk away with one thing from this episode, what would it be? With one thing, I think the one thing that I would have people walk away from is that, um, like, your 
your genitalia, your vulva, your vagina is normal as it is. You don't need to make it prettier. You don't need to make it smell like flowers. You don't need to um, make it the same color as you know your face. You don't. You don't need to change it. That is normal. You are normal. A vulva is supposed to smell like a vulva. A vulva is supposed to look like a vulva. It's not supposed to look, feel, or taste, for that matter, any different than a normal vulva. And yes, you are normal. Just accept you as normal. I love that so so much. much. That's so good. Everybody (laughs) needs to hear that. Yes. (laughs) So I know I opened up the episode this way, but just for anybody who's listening and they're like, oh my God, I need to get a hold of this woman. Where where is the best place for them to go to find all things Dr. Stacey? Yeah, probably... um, drstacyt.com is my website and it's connected to my office number. So if you're local, that's how you can find me there or just Instagram and TikTok. The it. best. Oh, it's it. so good. I'm going to spend the rest of the day reading the comments. And all I know. Well, you got a lot of, you must have a lot of time, <laughs> oh <my God>. Jenna. <laughs> the, comment, the comments are, I mean, they're ridiculous and some are empowering and some are just like, yeah, it's they're hilarious. They're great. So good. Thank you for doing what you do for this world, Dr. Stacy. You are amazing. We appreciate <laughs> you, and I can't wait to keep connecting with you more. If you post anything about PCOS and nutrition, I will be doing a duet with you and eating a nice. Soup. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank yes. You so Thank much, you, Nancy. ladies, so much. I loved it. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.